morning as we get started, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 1. That's where we'll be for a better part of the day, for the next hour or so. <clears throat> the uh, couple things you need to know about me as we go into this series on the secrets of Christmas. We're, the, today we're calling it Believe the Unbelievable. And those of you who know me know that uh, one of my most favorite things here on earth is the Chronicles of Narnia. I think it's a great series. Um, they, they even did a pretty good, pretty good job with the movies that came out about it as well. And it's amazing to me how C.S. Lewis interweaves these biblical themes into his writing. Uh, but what I want you to understand is that in the Chronicles of Narnia, this story is not an allegory. Like Christians all over the place always argue this point. But C.S. Lewis said, hey, it's not an allegory. He said and he was not making a direct one-to-one correspondence of a presentation of specific people in the Chronicles of Narnia with people in the Bible. He wasn't doing that. He actually started the whole thing off by saying, what if there was another world besides our own called Narnia? And in it was Jesus, but there he was called Aslan, and he was a lion. And from that, he went about developing this idea into seven books. And yes, there's a lot of Christian symbolism and a lot of parallels in those books. And this month, as we look at the secrets of Christmas, especially Believe the Unbelievable, I'm going to be drawing on some of those parables, making comparisons between characters from the Chronicles of Narnia and the birth story of Jesus. We're also going to be using our giant advent calendar here on the wall to help tell the story and to make those comparisons. I want And this kind of interactive before Worship, after worship, feel free to kind of check out the, uh, the Advent doors that are open. No peeking, okay? No peeking on the ones that aren't open. It's, those are the rules. Does anybody have an Advent calendar at their house? Do you guys do those? Did you do those as kids? Okay, no peeking. But today I'm going to go ahead and, and each Sunday I will open up the Advent door that corresponds with what we're talking about today. And so today our Advent door is number four because it's the 4th of December, and if I can do this without breaking anything, I will. And there we go. And our word is believe. You, As you look at the other ones, there's hope and there's faith. You've already heard those words in our communion meditation as we lit the Advent candles during our communion time as well. Did it stay? It did not. Man. Technology, it's so hard to work with these days. Probably. There. May or may not. It says believe. Read it real quick before it closes again. This is like one of those comic bits. There's somebody back there that keeps shutting it when I walk away and then they hide. (laughs) Yeah. Cardboard and kids are hard to work with. Uh. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, as I was trying to say, the Advent calendar will also help us tell this story but not at this moment. So will you pray with me and we'll continue. Father God, I thank you. Uh, Thank you that we can celebrate this time of year that you sent your son. And there could have been a, a million different ways that you could have orchestrated this, but you had a perfect plan for a perfect time. And even in what may seem to be unbelievable circumstances and unbelievable ways, you you showed 
love and life and the best gift ever in the gift of your son. Lord, I pray that what we do here today will honor you as we look into the birth story, as we look into the things that Mary uh, went through. And I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. As I was saying about Narnia, it was a magical place. And for those of you who have never been to Narnia, I'd like to kind of explain it to you. It's, uh, thank you. It, it's covered in snow, but not because it's Christmas. It was covered in snow because the white witch made it that way. Always winter, never Christmas. Winter for 100 years. I, I told somebody this morning that I, I had said to God as it was raining, I'd rather have snow than rain if it's going to be cold outside. But he said we need the rain, so it's still raining. But a hundred years of winter even. And, and I don't mind snow. I, if it's cold, it should snow. And then the sun should come out right away and heat it back up to a balmy 70 and let it all melt. And, and we can all be warm again. That's, that's how Christmas should be. But a hundred years of winter. Always winter. Oh, that's like... I don't know, that's like living up north somewhere. Who wants to do that? <laughs> but that was Narnia, winter. And it may have been beautiful. And, and that's, we, we made some pictures so you can look out the windows and see what it was like at Narnia. Because it was always winter. If you get cold, just scoot in together closer to somebody. <laughs> the thing is, at, at first setting, Narnia would seem to be a rather insignificant place. Until Lucy Pevensey stumbles in through a wardrobe during an insignificant game of hide-and-seek because they were reined in. And she found herself looking at a lamppost in the middle of the woods. And then she found herself face-to-face with Tumnus the fawn, and they both screamed, and they scared each other. And, and this is where her adventure would begin. There's another seemingly insignificant place in this story. It's a little place. You may have heard of it. It's called Nazareth. Oh, sure, it was a lovely little town, Nazareth, snuggled in the, the hillside overlooking the broad and fertile plains of the Estralon Valley. More than likely, it consisted primarily of some small stone houses, a synagogue that would have been built on its highest knoll, a marketplace at the entrance to the village, because that's how most villages were in that time. History tells us that when the New Testament era dawned, the population of Nazareth numbered little more than around 100 people. Mostly farmers, also some skilled craftsmen whose shops were found in the marketplace. I'm, I'm sure there was a potter and uh, in the marketplace. I'm sure there was also a weaver and a dyer, uh, someone who works with dyes, not someone who's always done. Anyways, a dyer. And, and there was also a blacksmith. And of course, you can't have any township, any village worth its salt has a carpenter. Close. That's another Christmas story. <laughs> We'll talk about the carpenter in the future and and look at him more in depth in another week. But here in this quaint little town, this insignificant town of Nazareth, you know, it's I guess it's no surprising, no surprise that in Scripture, someone refers to Nazareth and actually says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And we read that in the context and we think, wow, that's kind of harsh. But really, when you understand that it's not that much, there's not a whole lot there. Probably not even a stoplight in Nazareth. I read that statement in Scripture, but then it amazes me because I think not only does something good come out of Nazareth, but the most momentous, momentous, 
the most amazing events of all human history were to they involved people associated directly from Nazareth, a carpenter, a young girl from this little town. I picture it this way. Joseph the carpenter, probably a rather robust, ruggedly handsome man, much like myself, in uh, the prime of his life, looking good. He was engaged to a young girl named Mary, as was tradition. They were, they were uh, betrothed, if you will. She was probably still in her teen years. She was a girl upon whom God had bestowed much grace. As a matter of fact, she is referred to as favored one in Luke one twenty eight. When you, when you read about different people in the Bible, there's David who was, who was known as a man after God's own heart. And then we have Mary who was, who was referred to as favored one by the angel Gabriel. But before we get too much into Mary, I want to share with you kind of the back story of Luke, of, of Luke chapter 1 of the birth story of Jesus. The, the prequel, since we're talking about movies, the, the prequel, if you will, of the birth story of Jesus. And, and here's how this story begins in Luke chapter 1. Luke is writing to Theophilus, and he says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus. I want to pause right there. Even if your name's not Theophilus, I want you to understand, people always say, well, there, there's so many different things in the Bible. That how do we know it's true? How, how do we know there's not holes in the gospel, if you will? How, how can we believe some of these unbelievable things that took place? Listen, Luke, who is a doctor, and all doctors are respectable, has done the homework, and it says here he's investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order. He's sending this directly to Theophilus, but you can learn something from this. We can learn from what Luke has written, and, and when we look at what Luke has written, we will be able to also believe the unbelievable events of this story. He continues, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. See, there's good news for us. If, you, if you've grown up in the church, you've grown up with Scripture, you can know the exact truth about these things that you have been taught. And we're going to talk about the birth of John the Baptist now. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God. That's four people just in this story. I mentioned David as an example who had a heart after, who was a man after God's own heart. Mary, who found favor. And now here is Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth who were righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. 
couple of things real quick. First off, obviously this was an impressive angel. And, and, and there were a lot of, why this is such a big deal is because there were a lot of superstitions, if you will, for the people who were sent in, the priests, even when they went in, the people waited outside praying that they wouldn't do anything wrong and that they would be allowed to come back out. There was always a concern that when you went before the Lord, that you want to do it well. And I think that's something we can reflect on right there. As you go before the Lord, not just here on Sunday morning, but as you go, go before the Lord, go well. Zechariah sees this angel and he says, do not be afraid. Your petition has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You'll give him the name John. That was totally against tradition. It was totally against what good Jewish people did back then. His name should have been Zacharias like his father before him or maybe, a, a, you know, Zacharias's father or even a great grandfather. Verse 14 says, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and he will drink no wine or liquor and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. Remember that. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of righteousness. <clears throat> Zach, oh, so as to make people ready, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered him and said, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. I wish there was something in here that said this conversation took 20 minutes or took 30 because I can only imagine it took obviously much longer than it took for him to go in and prepare the incense and light it and say the prayer and walk out because the next verse 21 says the people were waiting for Zacharias and wondering at his delay in the temple but when he came out he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth, excuse me, after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me, to take away my disgrace among men. So, <clears throat> oh, now in the, did I miss one? I did. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent. No, not yet. So, sorry, I'll be okay. <laughs> I'm really excited about this. That's our prequel. Zechariah is, is now mute. He, he was a priest. He was a righteous man. He did these good things. But his only error was he questioned. God said, this is going to happen. And rather than going, thank you, Lord, I've been waiting for however old he is, for however many years, We've been we've been wanting a child. We've been we, we've had the nursery prepared for years and, and we thought about adopting none of that. His, he questioned. And the angel Gabriel said, because of your question, 
you won't talk for nine months. And then it says there was peace in his house. Well, no, I'm kidding. It didn't say that. So he was quiet. Now we're going to come to the birth of Jesus. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, he was busy at this time of year. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. I've given you the, the backstory on Nazareth. To a virgin, which is Mary, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And, the, and coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? Notice she didn't say that's not possible with God. She just said, How can this be because... I've never been with a man before. So we need to understand her question was not the same as Zacharias's question. All right. So just kind of keep that going. The angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. I love this verse, number third chapter, verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, her response to this whole thing is what blows me away. Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Listen, Mary was not perfect. Okay? She was a sinner, just like you and me. And she admits, even if you look into to Luke chapter 1, verse 47 and 48, and I hope you'll read through this whole story in Luke chapter 1 on your own this week, but it, she says like this prayer as she meets Elizabeth. And, and in that prayer, she admits her low estate, if you will. She admits her need for God's salvation when she, when she kind of says out this prayer and this, this gratitude song, if you will, that she sings. But she is greatly favored of God. To be that way, she lived with a sense of God's presence in her life. The Lord was with her, Luke one twenty eight. She enjoyed a beautiful moment-by-moment fellowship with God. And she was willing to see past what was right in front of her, being the angel, and believe the unbelievable. I heard a quote that I think applies to Mary. She knew that just seeing something wasn't believing, but that believing was seeing. This series is called The Secrets of Christmas. And the secret that we're talking about is believing the unbelievable. You see, there are too many people in our, word that, in our world that scoff at the word of God. It can't be true. It happened too long ago. There's no way it's true. But listen, when you hear the word of God, you have a response. You have a decision. You have to decide if you're going to believe it or not. And full disclosure, the angel Gabriel is probably not going to come and stand beside you whether at worship or at home. He's probably not going to visit you personally. But we've got the Word of God. We have the whole unfallible Word of God in our Bibles, on our phones, at our fingertips. 
All of it in a completed form. It's true. Well, I don't understand Greek. I don't understand Hebrew. It's okay. Luke did the, 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 the investigating. He did the digging. He did all the fact-finding. It's okay. It's all true, including the birth story of Jesus. Christmas is becoming somewhat less celebrated because, well, that just can't be true. We have the Word of God. The Word of God tells us you can believe the unbelievable because our God is true. His life, Jesus' life, not just His birth story, but His life story, His death story on the cross for your sins and mine, His burial, His resurrection, the fact that He was seen by hundreds of people after He was raised from the dead. Most of the life of Christ can sound pretty unbelievable to some people, but Mary believed the unbelievable. Elizabeth believed the unbelievable. Zacharias surely believed the unbelievable. Joseph believed it with a little holy nudging from Gabriel. And I don't know about you, but I choose to believe the unbelievable too. And we look back and we look out our windows and we look back at the Chronicles of Narnia. We find that Lucy had no problem believing the unbelievable. Here's how this happens. Lucy's the youngest of four children, and their, their family is sent away so they'll be more protected. They're out to the country because war is ravaging the city. And so she, you know, she's in this place. It's a big mansion, if you will, but it's out in the country. It's out in the middle of nowhere. And again, this wardrobe, an insignificant piece of furniture in a house, and she decides to hide in it during a game of hide-and-seek. And it seems that Lucy is somewhat of an insignificant character. But in my opinion, I think that she's one of the most important characters in the story. The same thing for Mary. At the surface level, we see a young girl, early to mid-teens. At first glance, she just seems not that remarkable. I mean, she's just a young woman. She's from a simple family. She's betrothed to a carpenter in a city, in a town of 100 people. I thought my hometown was small. It had 1,800 people, but we were a little bit bigger than Nazareth, apparently. You know, it's no accident that Lucy is the first one to find her way into the world of Narnia, and it's no accident that Mary is, is found to be favored by God. It was planned. It seems meaningful that the first time the wardrobe operates, Lucy's in this place where she's away from her mom, her dad's off fighting the war, She's not really getting along with her brothers and sisters. They're in this house that none of them want to be in. And then it's pouring down rain. And she hides and, and she stumbles through the wardrobe. She stumbles in to Narnia. And then she begins to demonstrate her character, if you will. She can tell immediately that Mr. Tumnus is kind. Even when he confesses that he was supposed to kidnap her, she knows he's not going to harm her. She knows that, that he's been tricked by the white witch. And she knows that he's on the side of good and that the white witch was on the side of evil. She trusts the beaver family. We'll talk more about them later. And, and she begins this uh, friendship, this reality in Narnia. Likewise, it's no accident that Mary is called by God to be the one to deliver his son. And just so you know, I want to tell you this about finding favor in God. You don't find favor from God by just going through the religious motions. 
That doesn't happen. Mary did more than just go to the synagogue and pay an offering every week. She maintained a relationship with God. When questioned about her pregnancy, she she was truthful to the point of stubbornness. She never changed her story. No matter what people thought, no matter what people said. But she remained humble. And she held fast to the teachings, to the things that she'd known about God fulfilling his promises and protecting his own. Lucy is also truthful to the point of stubbornness. She comes back from Narnia and she tells Peter and Edmund and Susan, but they don't believe her. But she sticks to her story. She even says, I don't care what you think. And this is in the book, not the movie. It's where the movie can't do everything. I don't care what you think and I don't care what you say. You can tell the professor, that's whose house they were staying in, or you can write to mother, or you can do anything you like. I know I've met a fawn in there. Like that was the only odd thing that happened when she went into Narnia. But still, Lucy's strength of character and her refusal to lie just to please other people are impressive, especially for a little girl in the 1940s England. There's also a scene in the second Narnia movie, Prince Caspian, where Lucy is one of the first of the children to see Aslan. And she sees him and she goes, Aslan wants us to go over here, but they didn't believe her and they kept going the wrong way. And that happened a couple of times until she finally brought everybody to Aslan. And this is why I say that Lucy could parallel Mary. Think about it. Mary is is a young woman. She's pledged to be married to Joseph. And then she's found to be pregnant. The Bible never speaks of Mary as as raising her voice in her defense. It never speaks of Mary as being ugly to people. She doesn't call people names. You're not a true believer if you can't believe that this would happen. She doesn't do any of that. But at the point of Mary saying to Gabriel, and I think this is key to the whole thing, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. At that point, she was already settling in her heart and her mind to believe the unbelievable. And she was saying to everyone else in her life, I don't care what you think about me. I'm going to do what honors God. And she did just that. Luke tells us that Mary travels to see her cousin Elizabeth. And that's when the first prophecy that was spoken to Zacharias happens. He was told that not only would he have a son, but his son would be filled with the Holy Spirit while he was still in the womb. Listen to this in, in Luke 1, 39. Now it was at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Mary believed the unbelievable. Nobody could talk her out of the fact that she was visited by an angel, that she was told the Holy Spirit would come upon her and that she would carry the Son of God. She believed it from the very beginning. She believed the unbelievable. Do you? Do you believe that there will be a fulfillment 
in what God has promised in His Word. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Do you believe that He died on the cross as the final blood sacrifice for your sins? Do you believe that on the third day He rose from the dead and walked among men? Do you accept Him as your Lord and Savior? Are you willing to live out that belief by submitting to Him in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, to receive the gift of salvation, and then live your life according to His Word? If you don't believe that, or maybe one time you did, but you've somehow forgotten. See, that happened a lot as, they, as the kids would leave Narnia and they would grow older on earth, they would forget what happened. And the sad thing about Narnia is you get to a point where you mature and you're not allowed back in. But the great thing about heaven is you get to a point where you're matured and you get to go back in. Maybe you've forgotten. Maybe you've become distracted to what you believe by the things in our world. Maybe you just simply moved away from that belief for a while. And maybe for you, the hard part of believing the unbelievable is that you think you're just not good enough, no matter what God's done in your life. I want to make something painfully clear to you this morning as we talk about believing the unbelievable. Your eternity with Christ is based on what He has done for you, not what you can do to get into heaven. Very simply put, we are saved by grace through faith when we believe what the Bible says. And we believe the Bible says what it says. And when we believe that God will do what he says he will do. And when we respond to God's word accordingly. Your, your only act is to respond to his word. Will you do that now? As we stand and sing our response song. Respond to God's word. It's time to believe the unbelievable. And it's time not to just say I believe it. But it's time to live the fact that you believe the unbelievable. I always say it, but I really mean it. It's been great to be here with you all today. I don't have Facebook and things like that. I have Instagram, but I don't have Facebook. So you guys are like my Facebook. So that's, that was my post. Pray for my family this week. Um, I love being with you all. I love to worship with you all. Being able to talk about the birth story of, of how the, the life of our Lord began. But now it's time to go. As you go this morning, go prepared to not only believe the unbelievable, but share it with somebody. From humble beginnings to heavenly worship, I can't wait for the amazingness of heaven to be revealed to us one day. But in the meantime, I will go like Mary, submitting to God as his bond slave, doing his work, no matter what anybody else does. And my prayer is that you will join me in that. Will you sing this last song with us?